0: 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 25. But in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Our friends, we're looking tonight at this uh, Bible character, Absalom, who was known uh, for his good looks and uh, well known for his beauty, his handsomeness, none like him, stood out from the crowd because of his appearance, because of his uh, long hair, which he cut once a year, he pulled it once a year, and they weighed it, and they weighed a tremendous amount, it was thick, we read, and it was uh, heavy, and it was long, and uh, it was the admiration, we could say, in an earthly sense, by uh, so many. He caught the eye. Never, if you saw him in the street, he caught your eye because he stood out uh, because of his handsomeness and his attractiveness. So we're looking at this young man, but uh, he is actually in fact a young prince. When I say young, we call him young and David, his father called him young. But as we go on, we'll see he was actually a married man and he had three sons and one daughter as well. So. A young in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in those times. But uh, as a young man, he had everything going for him. He had all the privileges one could expect. Not only outwardly was he handsome and beautiful, but also he had great privileges in life. More than the common people had. And yet, he ended up making a great mess of his life. One would think as a prince, and so privileged, he would uh, make the best use of his life. He would excel, and he would go on and live a very long life, and a a useful life. Instead, it was the complete opposite with him. He messed up his life totally, he didn't know how to handle his position, and he ended up uh, dying before his time, and dying in a shameful way. Well, let's look at him, friends. He was born into a royal family. Just give you a, a quick uh, biography of his life, born into a royal family, Absalom, as we said, had all the advantages of being a prince, a royal person. His home was the palace. He enjoyed sumptuous food at the table, no doubt prepared for him every single meal, every single day. He lived... In luxury, he lived in, in, in style, servants waited on him hand and foot and as the king's son wherever he went people opened doors for him, people kowtowed to him, people uh, respected him because of his uh, position as a prince. His father King David was a good father, was a kind father, he was no harsh tyrant, he was a very gentle man, his father And he loved Absalom to bits. He loved him so very much. Perhaps too much, you could say. But he loved him uh, with all his heart. And Absalom knew it. He knew, Dad loves me. He knew and felt it in his heart. Oh, he had so much going for him, uh, this this young man. He was, uh, as the prince, he was in line to the throne. And he could well have been Uh, succeeded David as the next uh, king. That was a possibility as well. And here we read once again of his uh, beauty, his external beauty, a very handsome man. In all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty, from the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him, no spot, no ugly markings, no disproportionate parts, no disagreeable features. You know, we all have we, one or two of you maybe handsomer or beautiful, but it's always something, isn't there, which is not quite right. But there's nothing like that well, with this particular uh, man. He had no, nothing disagreeable in those features. We mentioned his hair. He is unsurpassed in uh, handsomeness, a model uh, for the days and the people loved him uh, partly because of this. Internally, inside, he wasn't so beautiful. That's the thing about this man, inside he was a completely different story. You can say, just as, just as much as he was beautiful outside, inside he was just as much ugly. He was just as much or horrible on the inside. Sin prevailed with him. Sin raged within lies, hatred, contempt, p- pride, rebellion, dissatisfaction, discontent. All these things, as we will see to a certain degree tonight, were, were within this uh, man. Outwardly so beautiful, but inwardly terrible, terrible person. He, uh, we read, so it's a long history. Uh, a number of chapters cover his life. We just read a portion tonight. But you read of him. He was guilty of murdering uh, his half-brother, his fellow uh, prince. Uh, he had done something uh, to his, uh, his sister. He didn't like it. And, in, uh, and he planned and he schemed. And he had his half-brother uh, murdered. And when he did that, he fled to another land. He knew that his life was in danger. But three years later... Knowing that his father had forgiven him and pardoned him, he returned to Jerusalem. Initially, though, he didn't see the da- King David's face, uh, didn't see David face to face, and he had to wait a further two years uh, before David relented and actually saw him. We read that in chapter 14 and verse 33, where uh, Jerob the king came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king and then the king kissed Absalom. Absalom is back to where he was uh, five years ago, back in favor uh, with the king, back to his position as prince. And you would have thought, isn't it friends? You would have thought that going through such a humbling experience as he did having been away from home and the palace and humbled, he thought you would have thought he would have been humbled by all that he had done. You would have thought that he would be a different person now. He wouldn't be as, uh, as, uh, as uh, co- contemptuous and as uh, horrible as he was before. But you think that he would act differently, but there's no such change in his life. He just picks up from where he left off. In fact, He's going to get worse and worse as we see as we continue with the text there in chapter 15 and verse 1 it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him that was something God forbid kings to do to have uh, horses and chariots. they were to trust in God in doing this uh, he was uh, he was showing himself to be like the other kings and the other princes. That's what they used to do in the surrounding nations. And uh, this was not something that that God wanted them to do. God forbade them from doing it, but he didn't care. He didn't care what God said. And he went ahead and he did it. He already had the respect of being a prince, but he was not content. He wanted more and he wanted people to see it that uh, he is a prince and he wanted the accolades and the acclamation that came and the attention that would come with uh, having these chariots and horses and 50 men, no doubt all dressed up uh, in special uniforms, running before him. And uh, people, the people who are the crowds, the common people, of course, they would also be glad to see this outward demonstration of, of power and regality. It would draw them as well. They would appreciate it. And then we see him going going to work on the people to steal their hearts, to win their hearts uh, and their affections from David. He's a schemer and he's uh, working. He's got a plan in his mind. He's taking step by step to get to that throne. That's what his ultimate objective is. He wants his father's throne. He wants to be king. And that's what he's aiming for. And he, uh, he goes to the gate uh, of the Jerusalem. He places himself there. And he, those people who come looking for justice, they've got a case, they've got a grievance against something. And he hears their case and immediately he says, yes, you're right, you're right. And he embraces them and, and welcomes them and treats them in that way. And one by one, he wins the affections of the people to himself. And he, he, he goes further and he says, oh, David doesn't care. He tells everyone who comes, David doesn't care about your case. David doesn't care about justice, the king. I do. If I were a judge, I would deal righteously with you. That's what he told those people. His plan worked. His plan was successful. And many, many people uh, turned uh, to him and sided with him until there came a point when the news came back to King David. Those who are with Absalom are more than uh, are for you. Well, David had no choice but to protect Jerusalem. He had to leave it, uh, ent- leave it, uh, with uh, together with uh, with his men, and uh, uh, he had no other alternative. And when he'd done that, when he'd left Jerusalem, Absalom went straight straight to the throne and installed himself as king. That was not enough. That was not enough for Absalom. He had to have his father killed. Because as long as his father was alive, uh, the people would would still uh, think about him. Only once his father was gone and out of the way, then would the people serve him fully. And so he knew he had to get rid of him. And he wanted to get rid of his own father. His kind father, he wanted uh, to be done with him. And so we read that a battle took place between the two sides, and I'm just praising the the, the account. But a battle took place between the two sides, and the final outcome was that Absalom was defeated, and those who were with him were defeated, and death uh, came to Absalom. He was fleeing from uh, David's men when his very head and his hair got caught in the branches of of a tree in a wood, and he was left dangling there. His mule that he was riding went on before him, and he was stuck in the tree, hanging from that tree. And when Joab, the command, one of the commanders of David's host, heard about it, he went and he killed uh, Absalom. What was David's reply? Response: When he heard the news, his son had died. Oh, he was very sad. He was very, very sad, and he 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 mourned. And he sobbed for his son and he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom. Would God, I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. That's how uh, he responded. But that was the end of this life. It was a premature end to Absalom, the young prince's uh, life. But what lessons, friends, can we learn from this, uh, this man, this biography? Well, firstly, just as Absalom was a king's son and he had great privileges uh, that he was born into, so also we too, as the men and women, we have great and immense privileges that are given to us, great blessings that God gives to us uh, as, uh, as men and women. We are born uh, with privileges too. If you're born in this land, or if you're born in a christian country well you will have a great privilege it may well be that you are born into a family that is christian now maybe one of your parents or both of your parents are christian or you have some relative in your family who is a christian and they will tell you the gospel and they will speak to you about your need to be right with the lord jesus christ that's a great privilege or perhaps you will have friends who come and will tell you these things. That's again a great privilege uh, to have. You're born in a, a, play, a country where there are churches you can attend, and you can hear the gospel message, and you can hear how to be right with God. There are many countries in the world where there are very, very few churches. You can go for miles and miles and miles, and you cannot see a church. But here we have a number of good churches which we could attend. We could also say we are born with privileges. In, a, in, a, in another sense, you know, if you're born as an animal, if you come into this world as an animal, well, you, uh, you have very you, Your very your life is very different to a man or a woman. As a man, born as a man or a woman, well, you have uh, reasoning skills. You are born with a soul. Animals don't have a soul, an immortal soul. You and I, we are born with a soul, with a capacity to know a God, with a, a, a reasoning mind, with our consciences, with uh, faculties that uh, enable us to relate to the Lord. Of all God's creatures, man is the most uh, privileged of them all. Yet of all God's creatures, man is the most rebellious of them all. He ought to be the, most, uh, the one filled with the most gratitude. Instead, he is the most uh, rebellious. The animals obey their maker. None of the animals uh, rebel against him. The elements that we, of this world follow his marching orders. Man alone fights back. Man alone rebels against his maker and his benefactor. Then we could, with Absalom, we see that he had in King David such a kind father, such a loving father. David was no tyrant. David was no hard taskmaster as a father. It should have been a pleasure to Absalom to serve him. God is kinder. God is of infinite kindness, friends. God is of great kindness. The Lord is no tyrant. God is love. God is kind he is holy yes alongside his holiness he is also the god of love he's a god who has your welfare at heart he cares for you he cares for your soul sincerely like no one else in the world cares he cares for you he desires your happiness and your well-being your eternal happiness he'll give you a sample for it of it now a taste of it now if you trust in him and in the world to come he is willing to lead you through life to help you in the times of trouble all the role of a good father would do for his child he will do that for you in this life that's what he offers us there should be no reason why we hold back from serving him why we shouldn't love him why we shouldn't uh, obey him should be a pleasure to serve such a god but we withhold it from him we withhold from god his his worship and his love the love that we ought to have from him we don't give to god what is his due then we could say with absalom well he was all for the externals isn't he he cared only about uh, his appearance Uh, that was how he came across physically and also uh, to others. his standing with the people, what people thought of him. But internally, as we said, he was corrupt and sinful and he had even this contempt for his very own dad. That's us, friends, as well, to a certain degree. Perhaps that's you and me. I'm anxious about my appearance. This is the major thing with me. Maybe my physical appearance is something that I'm uh, overly anxious about. Or I'm anxious how I come across to other people. What do other people think of me? How do other people perceive me? This is is what I'm very concerned about. And when I'm in public, when I'm with others, I apply that cosmetic makeup. I'm not talking about physical makeup. But the cosmetic makeup to cover up my faults. I don't show my real self when I'm with other people. I cover up myself. I apply uh, those uh, different things so that people don't see me. I put on a face. I pretend to be good. I pretend to be a considerate person. I pretend to be a kind person. I'm acting. I'm acting. I'm playing uh, the actor on the world stage. It's not uh, genuine because within within in my thoughts. It's a different story. It doesn't correlate. The internal doesn't correlate uh, with the external. There's there's no alignment there because inside there are evil imaginations. Inside there are unclean lusts that I'm desiring and pursuing. There are grudges that I'm holding on to and nursing in my mind. There are people I'm maybe cursing in my mind and i'm unhappy with there are resentments there, there are d- dislikes there proud thoughts is I like putting myself up putting other people down oh friends we are so wretched within it's horrible to say these things i know it's horrible to see see ourselves we don't like to look within it's better to just look in the mirror physically that's enough for us but to look within It's a horrible sight, really. But we must. We must see this is how we really are. This is the real me. Sometimes it comes out. On occasions it comes out. But uh, then we quickly cover up again. Friends, this is why the Bible says we need conversion. This is why we need a new heart. The Lord Jesus said, uh, put it in these words to Nicodemus, he must be born again. You must have a new heart. You can't go to heaven with such an unholy heart. You can't go to heaven in such an unholy state. You need a new heart. That's what the Lord said. You must be born again. That's why He came and He died on Calvary's cross to take away our sins, to make it possible that if you look to Him, you look to Christ, He will take away your sins and He will give you a new heart he will give you a new life he will give you a holy uh, a holy a holiness in your life he will give you access uh, to heaven christ did these things look within so that you may look without you can't you, salvation as we've said many times is not within but you must look within to see yes this is what i'm really like and then look without to the cross and redemption that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me move on. Absalom, he didn't care about God's laws. He prepared those chariots against God's law. He prepared those horses and men. He was a lawless person. We don't care about God's laws before we are saved. We're a law to ourselves. God's law, if it crosses with my will for my life, well, I'll dispense with it. I'll get rid of it. I don't like it. We, we, it's, we're strange people, friends. <laughs> we're strange here because in, in all things else, we submit to rules and regulations. We submit to the rules of our, the country that we live in. You may not be particularly happy with some of the rules, but we still submit to those rules. If we go to our workplace, those employers have rules. And we submit to those rules. If you're playing a sport, chess or tennis or football, there are rules there and you abide by those rules. You say, yes, they're good, they're necessary. But when it comes to God's rules, no, they want God's rules. They want to abide by His rules. Cast them off, forget about those things. I'll just uh, go my own way so so that I can do as I like. And then closely linked with this thought is that Absalom here was a d- deeply discontented person. To be prince should have been enough for him, isn't it? You're in such a, a privileged position. No, he must be king. He must rule. He must do as he liked. And uh, he, instead of holding and being grateful for his position, he sought something more. Oh, friends... For us as well, it should be enough for us that uh, to submit to our Creator God, to the rightful place for you and I is at His feet, is at God's footstool, to recognize that He alone is God and I am a, a creature, that I am dependent upon Him for everything, especially uh, salvation. That's the rightful place. I give to God the honor that is due to His name, that He is Lord over all, and I am to be His servant. I am to obey Him. Oh, but we are not content. We are not content to humble ourselves. I cannot let God rule my life and tell me what to do. No, we want to be a king to ourselves. Then notice as well, uh, Absalom, he was king but only for a short time. He had temporary success. For a short time he was king. For a short time he ruled. For a short time only he could do as he liked. For a short time he could wear that crown. He soon had to give it back or give it up. Justice very quickly caught up with the young man and he lost everything, everything. Friends, you may be a believer, unbeliever here uh, tonight. And you say, my life is just fine as it is. Thank you very much. I haven't suffered because of my sins. I don't need Christ. Things are going smoothly with me. I don't need forgiveness. Things are going so well with me. I'm not suffering because of uh, my sins. It's only for a short time, friends, if that is so. It's only for a very short time. Justice is pursuing you. Just God's justice is pursuing you. God's justice will catch up with you unless you repent and turn to Christ. It's only for a short time that you can enjoy uh, this kind of freedom that you, that you have. God may delay his judgment, but it will surely come friends or oh, take that to heart. Hey Absalom, uh, his death was a premature one. Oh, it could have been avoided. Absalom, why did you go that way? Why did you choose such a life? Why didn't you just remain contented with your position as a prince? It brought you to an early death, Absalom. Why? It was his sins. His sins, we could say, killed him. His desires, his ambitions, drove him to that point and brought him to that early death. If only he had been able to mortify and kill those sins, it would never have happened. He would never have ended up in that way. And friends, we have to say, it's the same for us. To go on in sin and rebellion against the Lord, it's a very sad and foolish thing for us to do because we're harming ourselves. To go on in this sinful way is like committing self-suicide. Uh, uh, We're killing ourselves. We're condemning ourselves to hell by going on in a way of rebellion against God. It's, some, it's something of our own doing. Oh, don't do that, friends. Don't follow Absalom's uh, example. His life, his biography here is left on record for us so that we won't go down the same path. See, we won't do what he he did. We will learn lessons from his life so we may avoid the end that came to him. And this record is, is given to us so we may turn to God and turn to Christ and obtain forgiveness from him. Don't go on in a proud way. Don't go on in rebellion but return to the Lord and ask him, Lord, forgive me. I've been such a terrible fool. When you read his life, friends, what do you you say? Let me ask you, how do you judge this man's life? Do you praise him for the way he lived his life? Or do you condemn him? Do you think he acted wisely? Or do you think he acted foolishly? Answer, you can answer for yourself in your own minds. Well, friends, uh, that answer is how, how do we think? Apply it to our own lives. It's best. This, uh, Absalom's life is teaching us it's not a good thing to live in rebellion to our God. But one more thing before I close. See David's response to his son. You remember on hearing of his son's death, he said, oh Absalom, my son, my son. Uh, there was no joy uh, in hearing of his death, and dear friends, if you die in your sins, if you die without Christ, if you die without forgiveness, if you're lost to God forever, it will be a grief to God. God wants joy over your your eternal death. God will. God has said he ha- he has no pleasure in the death of the sinner, but that he turns and that he lives. God has no delight to see anyone forever lost her from him, but that all would return to him. And as we could say, there's some pain, there's some grief in the heart of God to see one soul cast into hell, never to be rescued again. Oh, friends, let it not be said of us, come to the Saviour while you have time use these privileges that are given to you to come to the to him to yield your life to him and turn from your sins he will surely bless you let's pray together oh most merciful heavenly father we have spoken tonight of some difficult and hard things and uh, we have seen a little bit of the sinful nature that is uh, within us all. And, oh Lord, may it only drive us to feel our need of forgiveness and drive us to the Saviour, who alone can save us from uh, such an unholy and unsaved and unforgiven position. And grant that we may, uh, through these things, Lord, find true forgiveness and life in him. And that blood of Christ may wash us clean from all our sins. May it be our portion here, each one. Bless us, we pray. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, close by singing our final hymn, which is number 417. O Lord, from whom there's naught concealed. 417.